This is really an important passage, and it contains really the essence of how we live life each day, or how we are to live life each day. And it's really important that you have a revelation of this, the truth of this passage in your life. And so I pray, I pray earnestly that God would enable me to speak in such a way this morning that will enable you to have a greater experience of walking in the Spirit and to experience walking in the Spirit on a more continual, consistent basis, to know the fullness of that, to know the joy of that and the peace of that. Now the message of these verses is this. The Spirit is greater than the flesh, and the Spirit is greater than or superior to the law. Now, these are amazing truths. I mean, they're they're so amazing that many people do not really believe them to be true, at least for themselves. But through the Spirit, you can walk free from the desires of your flesh. The Spirit is more powerful than your flesh. And you are to walk also free from the law. A commentator by the name of Kenneth Weiss said, We don't walk after the flesh. We don't walk under the law. The way we walk, and this I think this is so beautiful, the way we walk is like a highway above them. It is a highway of freedom from statutes and from the sinful nature. A highway which is a faith way. A way of dependence upon the Spirit. And I don't know if you... uh, Driving along the interstate, sometimes you'll see, I think especially down there on the southeast or southwest corner of Des Moines, I think it's at the Moffat Reservoir exit, there's this huge road, there's the bridge that runs way above two or three other layers of roads below. And it's like he's saying, you know, there's the way of the flesh down here, there's the way of the law down here, but the way of the spirit is like this highway of freedom that runs way above them. And that's how we... That's how we walk and where we are to walk. A highway of freedom from statutes and from the sinful nature. Now, we all experience desires or impulses to do or say something that is evil, unloving, or ungodly. Right? I remember hearing Ruth Graham once interviewed, and she was asked, Did you ever think of divorcing Billy Graham? her husband. And she said, I never thought of divorcing Billy, but I have thought of murder. (laughs) A long time ago, uh, and I just picked this because it's the thing that came to my mind. We stopped at Hy-Vee after church on a Wednesday night, and Cindy asked me to go pick up some all-natural peanut butter while she went and picked up some other things. And I went and got the all-natural peanut butter And then I tried to find Cindy. I was tired. I wanted to get home. And literally for 30 minutes, I walked, and I walked fast. I paid up up and down every aisle in Hy-Vee, across, you know, north and south, east and west, trying to find Cindy. I got more and more impatient. And when I finally saw her, my actually first impulse, which kind of scared me, my first impulse was to throw that peanut butter jar at her. (laughs) And I didn't do it. Be, because I was in Hy-Vee and, and, and because the, the, the spirit 
led me to do better things. But, but the point is, we all, we all have thoughts and impulses, desires to do things that are ungodly and unloving. It's the flesh, Paul calls it here. So how can we be given freedom in Jesus Christ? And if we give, if we give people uh, complete freedom in our society, that wouldn't work. I mean, people do bad things. If there were no laws, people would drive 120 miles an hour. Uh, they wouldn't pay taxes. They would cheat, steal. They'd take advantage of other people. I mean, just, just look at what happens when law enforcement breaks down in the aftermath of, of a hurricane. So how in the world can Christian freedom work? Won't Christians hurt each other? Won't they do things that dishonor God? Uh, I mean, maybe the church should just lock people down under the law and keep people restrained, get people under control. Uh, maybe we shouldn't even proclaim a message of freedom at all and just hope no one ever reads books like Galatians or Colossians or Hebrews. Because there is a problem with Christian freedom, and it's called the flesh or the desires of the flesh. It's the sinful desires or lusts. It's the desires of our old nature that can still be inflamed and given into. And there's not one of us, no matter how much we love Jesus, no matter how much we've been filled with the Spirit, who does not understand that at times we can be pulled to think or respond or act, act in a way that is contrary to the things of the Spirit. So in verse 13, which is actually just before the passage that we've read, Paul feels the need to say, you brothers were called to freedom, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity to gratify your flesh, but through love serve one another. So up to this point in the book of Galatians, everything Paul has said about freedom is all pro-freedom. And so it's in this chapter, in this verse 13, that we have the first warning about something that could be an abuse of this freedom, and it is the flesh. And we're given some clues right here in that verse about what the flesh is. It's, it's self it, it's turned in on self. It's self-indulgent. It is not love. It is not serving others. It is, it is thinking about ourselves or indulging our own passions and desires without considering the interests and needs of others. It's that impulse that thinks, how can I satisfy myself instead of how can I bless those around me? So Paul tells us the flesh needs to be dealt with so that freedom can be used to love one another. Now, we come to our passage. Now, beginning in verse 16, Paul gives us the antidote to the flesh. He tells us how Christian freedom can work in imperfect people like us. Verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will never fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's, that's what my NIV version says. I, I'm not sure if I have an older one than the one that was in the bulletin or not. But, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will never desire, d- fulfill the desires of the flesh. Or you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. The Weist translation says, but I say, 
through the instrumentality of the Spirit, habitually order your manner of life, and you will in no wise execute the passionate desire of the flesh. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh if you walk after the Spirit. So, again, I tell you, I proclaim this is a great truth. If you want to put a verse on your refrigerator, if you want to highlight a verse, put it on your dashboard, this is a really important verse. It's the answer that I believe many of you have been looking for. There is a way to live in victory over the flesh. That's what this verse says. The key to the problems with the flesh, the key to the problems with your flesh is the Holy Spirit. It is by walking by the Spirit with the Spirit, in the Spirit, that the sinful passions of the flesh are overcome. Now, the biggest issue for many of us here this morning may be, do you really believe this? And I think for a lot of Christians, this, the, the effectiveness, the power of this verse stops right here. It's quenched because we immediately protest and, and say in our hearts that it, it, that's too good to be true. It really can't work that way. You know, when the Israeli spies uh, went into the, the land that God promised to them, uh, they saw the giants there. And ten of those spies said, we cannot defeat these guys. They are too big for us. They said, we, f- we felt like grasshoppers in their sight. But Joshua and Caleb said, do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Well, Some people view the sins in their lives and in their past as too big and powerful to overcome. Like the ten spies, they say, I cannot have victory over these things. They view their sins as overpowering them. But like Joshua and Caleb, we are to say, the Lord has dealt with our sins and the Spirit is with us. Let us go take the land. Let us go in and live the new life And live to the fullest in the power of the Spirit. There is a struggle, and we're going to talk about that. But to magnify your struggle with sin in a way that causes you to believe that sin has a stranglehold on you and you can never be free from it is very much like the attitude of the ten spies who looked at the promised land and they just just said, we can't can't take it. These, These people are too... Big, the task is too overwhelming for us. So, we do acknowledge that the conflict is real. But to talk as if we must remain in a defeated state just doesn't fit with Paul's teaching here at all. Uh, There's a a Bible teacher named uh, Dan Duncan at Believer's Chapel uh, that I've read from Precept Austin. That said something very, very good. He said, It is a daily struggle, a mortal struggle, but the struggle is not a stalemate. The flesh, what we are by nature, is strong, but the spirit 
is stronger and is prevailing. So, in order to live a God-pleasing life, people often want a set of, of, of steps or to-do lists or checklists. Well, here's really the one thing you need on your checklist. To go and learn to walk in the Holy Spirit. And it, 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 is, it, is, a lear- it is a learning process. But it's the, it's the answer sense to everything as in the Christian life. Keep in step with the Spirit. It is, it is not by, st- by lists or laws that we overcome the flesh, but by the Spirit. Galatians, or Colossians 2.20 said, If you have died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why are you submitting to its decrees as though you still lived in the world? Don't handle this. Don't touch that. All these things will be destroyed because they are based on human commands and teachings These things have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, humility, and harsh treatment of the body, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So, I mean, you can can follow all these seemingly very religious practices and all these harsh disciplines and and all these very self-imposed rules... But Paul says they, they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh because the only power that is great enough to stop your flesh, it's not you, it's not the law, it's the Holy Spirit. And as you trust in the Spirit, as you yield to the Spirit, as you keep yourself in tune with the Spirit, the flesh cannot win. This is God's answer to your problem with your tongue, to your problem with anger, to your problem with critical and judgmental thoughts, to your problems with impure or unclean thoughts. The Spirit is God's answer to your problem with despair, negative thinking, inability to get along with people. There's, just, there's no law that can fix those things. Only the Spirit can give you the, the kind of things that you need. Only the Spirit can produce the love and the joy and the peace and the kindness that we are called to in Christ. Only a power or life that comes from inside of you could do that. And so Paul says in in this verse 16, the Spirit is fully capable, fully able to deal with your flesh. Now, Paul goes on to tell us why it is so urgent that you walk in the Spirit. Verse 17, For or because what the flesh wants is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit wants is opposed to the flesh. They are opposed to each other, and so you do not do what you want to do. The flesh wants things that go against the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants things that go against the flesh. And if you don't walk continually in the Spirit, you'll find yourself living this very frustrated life of having the desires of the Spirit to do a certain thing, but you're, walk, you're not walking in the power of the Spirit, so you end up doing things that your flesh wants to do, and it's a very frustrating, bitter, wretched experience. But it's, the, the conflict is real, so we need to be prepared for conflict. 
be prepared for conflict. Your flesh will have desires, impulses, and thoughts that oppose the Spirit. And those may be different for each person. One person may feel uh, the flesh pull toward uh, some sort of sexual impurity. Another person may struggle with fear of the future. Another person may experience the impulse toward anger, a violent temper, or impatience. Uh, But we all experience this the spiritual conflict between the flesh and the spirit. And being aware of the conflict or being aware of evil thoughts or desires or impulses is not in itself sin. There's, there's nothing wrong with you spiritually simply because you have uh, thoughts or impulses that you know are evil. Now, if we had only this one verse... Uh, we might think that we are just that we are just totally doomed to this uh, f- this frustration. The spirit wants this, the flesh wants this. We can't, you know, ne- neither neither can win out. But while it is a fight, there is a conflict. The conflict is real. While there is a fight, this is not an equal fight. The spirit, again I say, is greater than, more powerful than the flesh. And those who walk by the spirit will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And having that faith or arriving in that position of faith is really important. Because if you, if you really believe, maybe you wouldn't say this out loud, but, out loud, but if you really believe in your heart that you're trapped in some sinful attitude or, or practice, then guess what? You, you will be bound by that as long as as you live that way. But if you acknowledge that the struggle is real, but also you believe that by walking in the Spirit, you can live in the qualities of the Spirit instead of the qualities of of the flesh, then you are on your way to freedom. Now, after reminding us that the flesh and the Spirit are in conflict, Paul said in verse 18, but... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, first, I just want to focus on the very first part of that verse. But if you are led by the Spirit, you and I have the option in every situation, in every encounter, in every relationship, with every person, in every circumstance, you have the option to be led by the Spirit. You really do. To be led by the Spirit means that He is already there and out in front of you leading. Okay? If you're going to be led by someone, someone that, that means they're already there. They're already giving you a direction to go. The Holy Spirit is leading and now it is up to you to choose Him to be your guide in all circumstances, in all situations. And He, the Holy Spirit, is your teacher. He is your personal indwelling teacher. He teaches you and He directs you and He empowers you. And so by following His lead, he, y- you overcome the flesh. He, he, he overcomes the flesh or you overcome it by walking in the Spirit or by fo- following the lead of the Spirit. 
Now, I'm not teaching sinless perfection here. We, we, we never fully arrive. Paul even said himself that he had not fully arrived. But we do not have to live in perpetual defeat. We can walk after the leading of the Spirit. And that's exactly what Paul says here. Now, this whole verse says, if, but, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now, you would think, Paul would say, but if you are led by the Spirit, you will not be dominated by the flesh. But he already said that, right? He already said that. If we follow the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. So he adds, you are not under law. So we talked about earlier how the Holy Spirit is greater than, than your flesh, more powerful than your flesh. And so now he says, if you follow the Spirit, you are not under the law. The Holy Spirit is a superior way of living, a greater way of living, a higher way of living. So if you are led by the Spirit, you're free from both the flesh and the law. And so again, the answer to the sinful desires of the flesh is, is not the law, but to be led by the Spirit. It's, it's not the law that's, that's our guide, it is the Holy Spirit. And he leads you in a way of living that is completely different than living under the law. A spirit-led person uh, does, is not focused on uh, keeping the, uh, the outward law with all its rules and regulations. The spirit produces his fruit in your life. And later, Paul says, against such things, against the things that the Holy Spirit produces in you, against these things there is no law. I mean, the Holy Spirit is leading you. He's taking you to a place of living. He's taking you to a way of living that, that cannot be condemned by the law. I mean, he's saying, what law is there against this way of living? If you're living in, if you're living in, in love and in joy and in peace and in kindness and patience with one another, what law is there against that? Well, he's saying the Holy Spirit, again, takes us, takes us to that, that, that highway that is above these other ways of living, that highway of freedom. Now, the Galatians were, they were being seduced to go back into the law and the traditions of, of Judaism. And, we, you know, we don't need to go into, into all of that, but Paul was adamantly opposed to that. And again and again, he said, that is so wrong because you're going to lose sight of the completed work of Christ to save you and the sufficiency of the Holy Spirit to sanctify you. So to, to let yourself get back, focus on, on circumcision and keeping certain feasts and days and months and years, uh, Paul says those, are, those distract you or they sidetrack you. They, lose, they, they cause you to lose sight of Jesus and the Spirit and our single focus on love. Well, how do I know what is flesh and spirit? How do I know what motions and inner workings to give myself to? Is, is this the spirit or is this the flesh? Well, Paul says it's not that hard. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. I mean, you, you can't see the flesh, but you can see what it does. And Paul says that the actions or motions or deeds... The things that the flesh generates in, in your attitudes in you. He says it's, it, it's obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity, promiscuity, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of anger, quarrels, conflicts, factions and envy, drunkenness, wild parties and things like that. In other words, this is not a complete list. Paul's just saying all that kind of stuff is from the flesh. All that causes strife and creates divisions and hurts people, all that is sexually immoral, everything like that is the flesh. And that's what Jesus came to set you free from. Revelation 1.5 says, To the one who loved us and released us from our sins. We're set free from our sins by His blood and by the Spirit that He placed into our hearts. So again, as I've mentioned again and again throughout this book of Galatians, our our focus is on the cross and what Christ accomplished for us at the cross. What He did for us there at the cross. And what He's doing in you now by His Spirit. And that's the way that we walk in this freedom from the law and from the flesh. Verse 21 says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things or practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that could, can sound like a pretty frightening, frightening verse. And I don't want to downplay it at all, but I, th- I think the point is the power of the Spirit in a, in a real Christian, the power of the Spirit in a real Christian is such a dominant force that Paul says, if you habitually practice the deeds of the flesh, then you're not among those who will inherit the kingdom of God because it's evident that the, that the power of the Spirit is not working in your life. You're not being led by the Spirit. But all who are sons of God, it tells us in Romans, are led by the Spirit. So Paul acknowledges the reality that Christians experience the conflict that comes from the lust of the flesh, but he's also adamant that those who practice such things would not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it also says that those who belong later, which we're going to talk about, all those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its sinful desires. So, what does a walk in the Spirit look like? How, how do I know what the Spirit is leading me to do? How do I know what the Spirit is moving and working and speaking in me? And so Paul says, I'll help you with that too. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think Paul would also add here, and things like that. I don't think that's a complete total list. He's just saying, these are the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit is producing in you and leading you into as you follow his lead. These are the things the Holy Spirit is leading you towards. Now, I'd like to go over each one of the, these uh, fruits this morning, but we, we, can't, we just can't. We don't have time. But, you know, let's take faithfulness for, for just one example. If you're walking in the Spirit, as you follow the lead of the Spirit, you will find yourself being a faithful person, faithful to the Lord. Faithful to the Lord's people. Faithful to your spouse, to your friends. And the same is true with love and joy and peace and patience and all the others. As you commune with and walk with and walk in fellowship and stay in step with the Holy Spirit, you will find 
these fruits, love and joy and goodness and peace, being manifested in your life. Walking with the Spirit will bring these fruits into your life. And it's, that's the life that is free. Against these things there is no law. And then verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. To crucify means to put to death. Jesus was put to death by crucifixion. And we are taught in Romans chapter 6 that, that, that our flesh with its sinful desires was crucified with Christ. And so we are to view ourselves that way. You are to view yourself as a crucified person. You are to view, view yourself that, you, that the flesh with its sinful passions and desires have been crucified. And that's a that's a that's a truth that's a that's a truth that that is a solid reality that you can claim and go to by faith. And yet we walk this out. We also we because we've been crucified with Christ and our sinful sin, sinful desires have been crucified because we died with Christ. We 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 view ourselves that way. And when we feel sinful passions or desires, we immediately reckon ourselves or we reckon them to be crucified with Christ. We renounce them as dead and gone. We give them no place. We do not yield to them. We give them no opportunity to live on. It's, it's very re- revealing that Paul says, all who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Uh, knowing Jesus Christ in a real way will, will move you to turn against the sinful passions and desires of the flesh. It just does. When you belong to Jesus, you don't want the old life any longer. When Jesus Christ comes to dwell in you by His Spirit, the flesh is doomed. It's crucified. So you crucify those passions because the presence of Christ is in you, moving in you and empowering you to do that. I love this uh, quote by A.B. Simpson regarding this. He says, When your old self comes, comes back, if you listen to it, fear it, believe it, it will have the same influence upon you as if it were not dead. It will control you and destroy you. But if you ignore it and say, you are not I, but Satan trying to make me believe that the old self is not dead. I refuse you. I treat you as a demon power outside of me. I detach myself from you. If you treat the flesh as a wife would her divorced husband saying, you are nothing to me. You have no power over me. I have renounced you in the name of Jesus. I bid you hence. Lo, the evil thing will disappear. And you will find that Christ is there instead with his risen life to back up your confidence and seal your victory. So you should not focus on evil thoughts or impulses as though they had the power over you or are resistible. You... you 
you disown them or crucify them immediately. You immediately reconcile yourself crucified with Christ, considering that in Christ you have crucified the flesh with its sinful passions. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, don't take, don't take one step away from or apart from the Spirit. And it, t- it talks about walking in the Spirit because it is a walk. I mean, this isn't something that you can fix. You can't fix your whole life, in a sense, right here this morning. You have to take the next step and walk in the Spirit. Then this afternoon you have to walk in the Spirit. And when, you're, when you have that really disappointing or, or hard thing that happens on Monday or you wake up not feeling really that good on Monday, you have to walk in the Spirit then and the ne- with the next step and the next step and the next step. And so it becomes a life, a life of communion, a life of walking with remaining in or abiding in the Spirit If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you a witness of His presence. In other words, if you're born of the Spirit, you're conscious. In some way, you're conscious of the Spirit in your heart. And you have, when you have experience of this love and joy and peace and the fruit and the working of the Holy Spirit, you just, you begin to say, I never want to leave this place. I never want to leave this place. I want to keep in step with the Spirit. I choose to look to the Spirit, to trust Him, to bear His fruit in me in place of the desires of my flesh. So, Paul wraps up uh, verse 26 and says, Well, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, Paul turns us back to our relationships with with one another, which really he started back in verse 13. Let us through love. Let's not walk in the flesh, but through love let us serve one another. And so he says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And he leaves us with this final warning of what happens when we do not keep in step with the Spirit. When you don't keep in step with the Spirit, one of the... One of the first things that, that happens is you'll start notice, noticing living in conflict. We become, become proud. We become uh, petty. We start provoking one another. We start challenging one another. Living, living in feelings of, of jealousy and envy and resentment and conflict. And Paul says, there's a much better way to walk. It's walking, walking in the Holy Spirit. So the thing I want you to rem- remember this morning, and uh, it's not—it's not just a theory. It's—it's it's something. It's—it's it's, it's something so vital. It is a—it is—it is a belief, a faith, to hang on to. It's a promise that the Holy Spirit is more powerful than your flesh. Through the Spirit, we walk free from the flesh. And again, I go to that illustration I shared at the beginning. The way we walk is like a highway of freedom. It's like a highway above the law and the flesh. It's a highway of freedom from statutes and from the sinful nature. It's a highway of faith and of dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.